What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we get into another spooky movie. This week is a little bit different, or I shall say, the lead up to this movie was a little bit different than how we mm -hmm. normally do. At the time that we were recording this, yesterday we had a Twitch celebration, a twitch abrasion, if you will, for some milestones that we had recently hit. We were celebrating them with the homies, and we decided to end the stream with a watch-along, and we decided... After some back and forth, some deliberation with all the viewers that were in there, we ended up choosing Paranormal Activity as the movie for all of us to watch together. And I would say, I don't know, like when we saw that and we decided to watch it, I feel like both of us were just, it sparked, it sparked some joy within us. And we thought, why don't we just do our episode about Paranormal Activity? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. I mean, we've been meaning to talk about it for a little while, and longtime listeners know that it's a little bit of a passion uh, series for me, a guilty yeah. pleasure, if you will. Uh, so when it became the choice, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. Granted, I do think that whatever we ended up watching, we probably would have done our episode on, let's be real. Right, right. Because I just feel like we... I don't know. There is something really fun about watching it with some of the homies and then kind of giving out some general thoughts while we were watching it, but then being like, we could go a lot more in depth about this movie. And so, yeah, I feel like whatever movie we would have ended up watching probably would have been the episode. However, yeah, it just kind of worked out that Paranormal Activity ended up being the one we chose because we didn't realize this until we started the movie, but the movie takes place, majority of it takes place in September. Mm-hmm. Happy accident. You really Happy do love to see it. coincidence. You're like, it all works out. So I think it was meant to be, personally. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but that being said, I think it's important, especially for this movie, for us to get into our scare scale. Mm. So... On a scale from one to five, how scary is Paranormal Activity, Roshane? Okay, so I think there may honestly be two. And it depends on whether or not you've actually seen it before mm. or if you've never seen it before and you don't know anything ab about it. Because it's kind of like the Blair Witch Project where once you understand the idea, it becomes less scary. But right. that first watch through, easy five for me. Easy mm. five. Mm -hmm. Um when you don't know what's happening and you don't know like all the little tidbits and extra stuff about the movie and you're just watching for plot, the whole thing is jump scares, like the whole thing. So if you don't like being frightened, I don't think this one is for you. So I'm gonna give it a five. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and give this movie a, I'm going to give it a four. 
mm-hmm. personally. I do think this is a creepy, scary movie, particularly watching it last night with my headphones on. I've never watched the movie like that, and I wasn't loving hearing all of those <laughs> like background noises right in my earlobe. Um, so that was spooky. I definitely think that if you've even if you've watched it before, I feel like four is pretty solid because even as someone who has watched it before and who remembers where all of the jump scares occur, still sitting here in my office alone at night watching it, I still felt spooked. I still mm-hmm. felt creeped out. Despite knowing what was going to happen, I still think this movie is pretty effective at at least giving you that creepy, spooky feeling, um, yeah. even if you're not jumping at every scare that they give. Um, so yeah, I, I would say a four... A solid four, but yes, probably a five if you've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. And but, I would also say it probably goes down a little bit the more you see it, but right. what scary movie doesn't at the end of the day? Right. It's always going to be, unless it's, <laughs> unless it's something where you're like, I am always afraid of clowns. Every time I see it, it's scary. Oh, For that's the most fair. part. That's, once that's you, very valid. Yeah. Once you clock those those jump scares, you're, you're always going to lower that scale a bit. But I think especially for me, who hadn't seen this movie in a while, I still felt, I still felt that dread. I still had the feeling in my body. <laughs> so yeah, four for me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, then, with that out of the way, shall we just hop into the synopsis? Please, please do. All right, then, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned, but as you can probably guess, we are talking about Paranormal Activity. This movie is from 2007, directed by Orrin Pelly. Starring Katie Featherston as Katie and Mika Sloat as Mika. Young couple Katie and Mika live in a home together in San Diego, California. Although happy, Katie has been struggling with paranormal phenomenon since she was eight years old. Mika buys a camera and sets it up in the bedroom in hopes of capturing the phenomenon on film. But when the paranormal activity becomes worse and increasingly more violent, the young couple scramble to find a solution before it is too late. Insert late night swing sessions, flaming Ouija boards, and the scariest home movie ever made here. Our film concludes with the dark force hunting the couple in their own home. But can they manage to vanquish the spirit, or will their souls be caught in the crossfire? Also, haven't you people ever heard of closing the goddamn door? Roll credits. Okay. So before we get into the movie, what Mm -hmm. I actually want to discuss a little bit about this is the marketing. Mm -hmm. Do you remember seeing trailers for this movie when it first came out? The not really, to be honest. The one part I do remember is they spent a lot of the trailer showing the audience's reactions. Yeah. And that was the trailer. Was that was that the entire trailer basically? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. The trailer was. <laughs> it's basically, been a while since I've seen it. Which is fair. I mean, because obviously that's something that they 
petered off from doing as the series went on, you started getting trailers of actually showing what happened in the movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas for this one, yeah, they very much leaned heavily into the audience reactions to the film, which was smart. I feel like at the time it was, hadn't really been done in that way before of saying of not really saying oh look how scary the movie is by watching the movie it was more like look how scary it is by seeing how people react to it i will say i went back and rewatched the trailer um before we recorded it's a little bit it's a little corny like i'm, I'm <laughs> sure i'm sure that that is authentically how people felt at the time of doing that screening and how they're honest and true reactions. But I will say if a movie did that now, I think Paranormal Activity, similarly to like the Blair Witch Project, mm -hmm. when you have found footage movies like this and they're kind of the first of their kind, I think that they really benefit from trying new things and saying, yeah, we did this. Nobody else has done this. And so we've kind of benefited from that. And I feel like Paranormal Activity is one of those where their marketing really, really worked for them. But if I saw that and I'm on a movie now, I would probably laugh Like if I saw <laughs> that as the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can necessarily get away with that anymore. Yeah, I, I I think if I saw that now, I would think that's definitely fake. Mm -hmm. Like those aren't real people if I saw that now. Yeah, but is that a symptom of us becoming more jaded or? Yes. <laughs> <I> said, yes. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think that's fair. This is one of those marketing tools that earlier in where we were um, in movie going, I think this worked, um, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. I think when it came to scary movies, the mystery of the unknown was a very big seller. Mm -hmm. And I think the mysticism behind like, ooh, whether or not this story is real and like what's actually going on here was definitely a big selling point. Mm -hmm. And I think nowadays, now that people have a little bit more access to not only behind the scenes information, but conversations with people who are involved in the productions a bit of that mystery has gone away like i think all of us are a little bit more um knowledgeable about what's going on with the movies that we watch and i don't feel neither here nor there about that but i will say that sensibility does go against the grain of like what yeah. we used to do with trailers like this it where it's steals like the magic a little bit it steals the magic you know like I, I remember seeing this movie in theaters, like the Halloween that it came out, and that was the big fun of it. It's like nobody really knew what we were going to go see. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew that we were going to go watch a scary movie that had something to do with paranormal activity, but no one, at least at that point, no one was talking about what actually happened mm -hmm. outside of just, I saw it and I was scared shitless. That's all you really heard in that first couple of weeks once it got released. Um, I think the longer it was out, more people started to break it down and like dissect right. it and, you know, kill some of the mysticism there. But that initial release, legendary, I feel like. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was huge. It was all anybody could talk about. And I mean, you talk about a freaking return on investment with the budget that this movie had and how much they made at the box office. I mean, they, what, by the end of the run, they made... 
$193.4 million. Off a $15,000 yeah, budget. Of Insane. A $15,000 budget. Originally, the actors were being paid $500. But obviously, <laughs> they didn't know. Nobody knew what was going to come from this movie. You because that it's it's in that same vein where I do the director set out with the Blair Witch Project heavily as inspiration. However, you could say that the Blair Witch Project was lightning in a bottle. You could say, yeah, that's what I'm inspired by, but there's no way of knowing if we're ever going to reach that success because even at this point in 2007, you know, it the internet was was now available. You couldn't really gimmick mark market in the, ex, the exact same way as you could for the Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. Although there were, I'm sure, quite a lot of people that maybe saw this and did feel like it was real, maybe thought that it was legit and oh, maybe yeah. thought that My, those people who died. I'm on that list. I definitely <laughs> thought it was real for at least a week. I left that theater thinking <laughs> both of these individuals' <laughs> lives are ruined. Somebody is dead. And somebody else what is missing. An, and what a concept. Could like, how wild would that be if theaters were mass showing <laughs> the death of, of a human being and paying, forcing you to pay a ticket, buy your fucking large popcorn and Diet Coke to go and watch someone legitimately die? It's a ridiculous concept, but I gotta say, as a teenager at that time, just going to the movies and seeing a scary movie, you didn't think that hard. You just, yeah. you, you went along with it. And then when those credit screens, when that credit screen rolls and it's like, oh, thank you. Or Katie's been yeah. yada yada. <laughs> and thank you missing. to the police department. You're like, huh? Uh, <laughs> Google? help yeah you're like Kate, and then you look it up and her name's like actually katie. actually like, katie oh my yeah god because i do think that adds to the mystery uh -huh. and i don't know how much of that was intentional for hype purposes and how much of that was the fact that oren didn't write a script for this right uh but either way it ended up working out i think yeah i think so too i mean i think it plays into both because yeah you look it up and you see that their names are the exact same it really leads into the believability that these people this was actually their life mm -hmm. and then secondly it's just helpful for the actors because yeah they're just completely going in and improvising off of scenarios that have been given to them and it's probably easier to completely jump into that knowing that you're not going to fumble a name you're not going to call this person their real name when their name is supposed to be anna or something mm -hmm. it just makes it a little probably lifts a little bit of weight since you're the since the actors are the ones who are creating the script in a in a sense live yeah um, but i so i didn't see this in theaters actually oh okay um so i kind of missed out on that hype per se i didn't have quite that theater experience of being able to see this in a with a bunch of people but i did see the second paranormal activity in a packed theater so i've had a paranormal activity theater experience and still fairly early on because i feel like the second one is still pretty successful with the scares mm -hmm. um but yeah I, I missed the boat on the first one unfortunately uh it was it was a good time i'm not gonna lie it was definitely a good time <laughs> uh and uh, an experience that i won't soon forget because that that was one of the i think defining horror experiences in a theater because mm -hmm. everyone was just so 
frightened at what they were seeing on the right. screen. And it had, I don't remember a movie before then that I had seen in theaters that had invoked that kind of reaction that out of same people. Feeling. That's fair. And I mean, if you think about this time, I feel like we were really, I, I think we were getting to a point where audiences were getting a little bit fatigued off of the horror that had been popular around that time. Cause that was really like the saw phenomenon was really still going up at that point and i don't think we had really had a paranormal movie that had come in and swept the masses in that way mm -hmm. and so i'm sure it was just such a different feeling from maybe seeing the other horror movies that were popular around that time and then going into this movie that is really focusing on a genre that was being a little bit slept on or just yeah. not successfully done around that around that time not only paranormal but then also to be like oh and we're doing found footage again like mm -hmm. surprise and this one really hearkened to the kind of quality because it was a lower budget really felt more in tune to Blair Witch Project whereas like I don't know a movie like Cloverfield although it's found footage still feels big budget yeah I agree I think the lower budget adds to the um as to the personality of the movie, it makes it feel more real. I think it's the same thing with the Blair Witch is like not having that Hollywood gloss over it makes mm -hmm. it a little bit easier for you to imagine that this is a real thing that's happening to people. And something that still impresses me to this day, I even made a mention of it while we were watching yesterday is despite the lower budget some of these scares and effects are really good mm -hmm. and it's part of the fun is almost trying to figure out how did they do that with the yeah. resources that they had like i how did katie get dragged across that floor in such a frightening way when yeah. they had no money right and we don't see how do how are people walking and we don't see them walking like how are mm -hmm. there being footsteps left and we don't see the we can see the footsteps being put there but we don't see who's making them yeah i think you really have to become very creative and and use some ingenuity when you are decreasing your budget because you just don't have the option of saying ah we'll go in and post and we'll key yeah this per key this out and we'll fix that like it's just not it's not, you don't know if you're going to have that chance, especially for this movie, which was filmed on in so, so quickly in yeah. like 10 days or like 10 a week, days I think. In, in the director's home. That's that's the other impressive thing is like you have all of these effects and like these cool scares and whatnot. And then you realize like this is this director's first film mm -hmm. that they filmed in 10 days in his house. Like... Mm -hmm. With fresh actors, with this fresh is their first actors, time. it's yeah. we talk about lightning in a bottle. Like the fact that that worked and they had the payoff that they did is insane. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Truly, truly insane. <laughs> <laughs> worked out. Thank, luckily, worked out. Um, and still going. Don't know still, if it needs to be, still but it's still going. going. Uh, good for, good for. I'm still. I'm sure. <laughs> still feeling all the residuals and stuff off of that though so good for mm -hmm. them um but without without uh going too too far into everything else i think it will help if we start to get into this movie a little bit more as far as the plot goes mm -hmm. so roshane yes what is in your notebook well 
my notebook is kind of empty because I didn't really take notes yeah, while we were watching <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> um, but my mental notebook is full of different thoughts. Um, the first one being, despite my feelings about Mika towards the latter half of the film, I really think that these two, Mika and Katie, play a very genuine couple um, that is very believable and makes this story so much easier to follow because these two people feel like real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first, definitely. They feel like a real couple that we're jumping into in the midst of their relationship. Yeah. I buy that they've been together for a long time. I buy that they have this kind of rapport with each other and they feel very comfortable with each other. But also, too, I think the thing that, like this thing with a couple <laughs> that you can really clock into that I feel makes them look feel realistic or not is the way that they fight. Uh, we got like 10 minutes. What the hell are you doing, Mia? Come on, help me. What are you doing? I'm going to talk to it. Look at me. I told you I was... You promised me you weren't going to... You look at me like that. You promised me you weren't going to mess with that stuff. No, I promised you I wasn't going to buy a Ouija board. Oh, I didn't buy a Ouija board. You knew exactly what I meant. I borrowed a Ouija board. How dare you? You knew exactly what I meant. I said don't mess with that stuff because it scared me. What do you do? You go out and you get the best looking fucking Ouija board I've ever seen and you put it in the middle of our living room? Explain that to me. I borrowed it. You know what? I don't care what you did. You're going to throw it away. We're going to leave right now. Okay. There's no more camera. There's no more nothing. I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. Kate, Kate. No, don't keep me. I'm leaving and you're coming with me. Whoa, whoa, chill, babe. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And they feel like a real couple getting into arguments. Like, I mm -hmm. believe every snippy moment that they have with each other, I truly believe. I believe it just as good as the, like, lovey-dovey cute moments. And I feel like that's so important to sell the reality of a couple because they have – each couple has a very specific way of dealing with each other, especially when they're irritated. And I love those scenes of them bickering because mm -hmm. I just, I like seeing the dynamic of their relationship. Yeah. And I think that they do, considering that they're just riffing off of each other and making up these conversations as they go, I think they do a really, really great job of selling, of mixing their, their the mundane of their life and kind of this new this newly moved in together couple, I feel like they do a good job of weaving just almost the simplicity of that with the absurdity and the terror of this whole other paranormal side that they're also having to like, you know, improv off of. I think they do a great job of mixing those two. Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, this movie is really the story about the, the crumbling of the relationship between this couple mm -hmm. due to this kind of outside force and some forces that are totally in their control. Uh, but mm -hmm. <laughs> you spend, you do spend the majority of this movie watching these two, um, despite kind of going in for the scares. I think that's what most people are watching paranormal activity for. Mm -hmm. You end up getting this tale of these two people who I one love that we're starting mid hauntings not like at the yes. beginning of the hauntings yes. mm -hmm. 
because I it's just like with any other good scene introduction you want to be you want to be in the heat of things you don't necessarily want to always watch things go from start all the way to finish and so coming in with a situation that both characters are already familiar with like katie has been dealing with these paranormal things for her entire life um mika to some degree has also been dealing with these things enough so that he's willing to go and spend the money on this camera to try and document what's happening um, and then over the course of this month, kind of that we watch them, uh, we get to see how their choices affect what's going on around them and how what's going on around them affects their relationship and honestly, their safety and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That was a point that I, I really realized again too last night as well was that it's so, so clever. It's the best thing they could have done to have this be something that she has dealt with her entire life rather than we've moved in and this has just begun because we it's just, it just brings such a different perspective from her character of this this like weariness and this exhaustion of having to continually have these moments in your life where these horrible things are happening and you don't know when they're going to start and you don't know how bad it's going to be and she already has the knowledge of that going in we don't have to sit and watch her get privy to what's going on she already knows what's going on so what we're having to watch is this character of mika who is not been part of that and he is the one who is having to learn the what's going on how bad it is how to handle it how to deal with it mm-hmm. and i feel like it's it makes it so that they're able to move the plot at a pretty brisk pace because we're already aware that there is an entity or a demon or what have you and then from there it's just like okay now we have to figure out how to deal with that rather mm-hmm. than waiting for it to sink in and then figuring all of that out. And also too, um, by having it be something that's connected to Katie rather than the house, you've already written in a loophole for yourself where it doesn't matter where she goes, it'll always be with her. So you're not you're not ever giving the audience that chance to say, well, why don't they just leave? Because you've already made it so that that's an irrelevant factor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And it's, you know, what's interesting to me is all of those little plot points, like it being attached to her and then some of the backstory stuff that we get later on um, with things that have happened to her. Knowing that there wasn't a, a, like, solid script and these characters were working just off of talking points, it's pretty impressive how much... um, backstory they're able to drop over the course of this and how much of that gets used later on in the franchise Mm -hmm. um because there's so many little easter eggs and whatnot that aren't easter eggs until you've seen the rest of the franchise but once you've seen the rest of the franchise and you've and you go back to the original you're like oh shit they really did set this up yeah um in the beginning and we talked about this a little bit i don't know how much of that is them riffing off what they already had and then crafting the story around that versus pre-planning but regardless um even if you know you're not a big fan of the rest of the franchise it is kind of fun watching 
how all of these later entries weave back into this original. Yeah, I think particularly for the first and the second one, they did a great job of mixing that story and making those like fit together. I would say I think maybe the least successful one would probably be the third one, which I think is the prequel. Mm-hmm. I think they maybe have to retcon some of the things that that had been mentioned in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, at that point, you know, yeah, we're you're going at Paranormal Activity yeah. 3. Yeah, it's, <laughs> we're in the past. <laughs> they're babe, they're <laughs> little kids. Like, you're, it is what it is at that point. And then I think from there, it just kind of sails off in its own direction, which is fine. You know, <laughs> it can do what it wants. But I will, but yes, there were some, they, they managed to drop a lot of, breadcrumbs that end up being used later on which i think is really awesome and i think really allowed them to build a build off of the foundation that they really lay here because in the grand scheme of things this is a simple story yeah it's a couple getting terrorized and trying to catch it on film and things go wrong like that yeah. is the story it all takes place at the house it's it's simple and but it's crazy from how simple of a foundation they've laid how complex this bitch gets as the movies go along yeah because initially like you said it's very cut and dry what this is i mean you spend 75 percent of the movie just primed in their bedroom mm-hmm. watching a shot of their bed and then looking at a timer in the corner of the screen, you know what I mean? Like that is a majority of the movie, but um, the simplicity I think of that formula is what works and is what makes these scares feel so much more terrifying is because you're not, they're not throwing a bunch of things at you, at least for the first 75% of the movie. It's a lot of little things, little sounds here and there doors opening and closing on their own very similar or akin to what i think a lot of people attribute real life paranormal activity to yeah like these little things that are maybe mundane but don't have a precise explanation in the moment mm-hmm. that's where i think the imagination goes wild and we start crafting these very large scare moments uh and i think the formula of this first movie does that very well like we we set up the same spot every time and then every time a new night rolls up you're like all right what's, what's next? next what's going to happen we know Who's something's going to happen yeah. you what's know it going to be is it the light yes probably is it the thumping <laughs> probably that too but then yeah it escalates at a good speed i think True. that there is a lot of they don't play their card too soon Mm-mm. Or they play their hand. <laughs> play their hand. They don't play they don't their play hand. The game too they don't play the rules. game the way <laughs> that you think they play the game. Uh, they they have a pretty good. There's like peaks and valleys of it, mm-hmm. where you reach this point where you're like, oh shit, it's really gonna rev up the next night because that was crazy. But then the next night it doesn't. It kind mm-hmm. of like goes back to normal. But then it also, I feel like that's the best thing you can do for if you want your characters to keep living in the situation. Even though we know that it's connected to Katie, there are a lot of times throughout that Katie's like, I wanna get out of this house, I wanna go somewhere, I wanna leave. But then 
you do see that it's it's not every single night where it's like bing bam boom bop blah, 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 like things happening all over the house but then the same it's not every night where it's just simple stuff that they can sleep through it's like mixed in with each other and so i think for them they feel like they've got a handle on things at times yeah which they don't would be but true well well let's let's talk about mika okay let's, let's talk, talk about, about mika, mika. Cause they Mr. Actually, hold it down. Mr. That was cool. Look, <laughs> Mika, <laughs> they actually probably do have a handle on things at least for a minute. They, or at least they would have had more time. I truly believe they would have had more time where things wouldn't have escalated so quickly if Mika wasn't knucking and bucking at the demon every <laughs> chance that he got. Truly, though. Why are you roasting the demon every day? <laughs> and the thing about Mika that you're right in the beginning, like I would say probably that first few days when Mika's like, I'm a daily vlogger now. Like, mm -hmm. this is what I'm Welcome doing. To my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. What's up, guys? Smash the like button because we're <laughs> hunting for a demon. Um, Mika, those first couple of days, I actually don't. I actually feel like his character is pretty funny is he you can really get the sense of his personality he's just a guy that doesn't really take things seriously um you can tell that he's a guy who's a non-believer in these things and has never experienced this kind of stuff in his life he's definitely those one of those I, if i see it i'll believe it kind of people and at first that is fine However, Mika very quickly slips into the worst boyfriend ever territory mm -hmm. because despite Katie being very, very scared and very upset about the things that are going on, he continues to do everything that she asks him not to do. And he does it consistently throughout the movie. He is dismissive at times about what's happening with her. Even when things start to go wrong and he knows that something's going on, he thinks that the best way of handling things is to provoke the demon rather than, I don't know, say fucking nothing at all and just go about your day. <laughs> like, right. um, and he, but he's, it's weird because although he is aware that there's something going on, he is very, very resistant to calling in specialists or people yeah. who really know. It's like he's not willing to go that far. Yeah, it's weird because he makes progress, but without any end goal, you know, because he yeah. doesn't know exactly what he's dealing with. But he is a smart enough guy that he's coming up with different potential so real life solutions, right? If this is not a paranormal thing, we get a camera, we can lock this down, we can figure all this stuff out. Mm -hmm. Sure. But once he starts getting what he's asking for, he starts getting paranormal things on camera. He starts getting paranormal sounds on audio. He doesn't know what to do other than to just continue provoking. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't know how to get rid of whatever this is that is hunting Katie. Uh, he doesn't know how to cleanse his home of whatever spirit may be going through. All he knows is... He's got a camera, and if he puts provocative stuff for the ghost or demon in front of the camera, maybe he'll get something. And to that degree, I just don't know where he was going. You know, like, yeah. what are you gonna do? like, 
are you gonna sell the footage you're gonna, like yeah what are you're you gonna, gonna sell do? the footage footage like are you going to you're you're clearly not gonna give this over to any of the quote-unquote experts in this field so right. like what what's the point you know like what what are you gonna do and it's right. frustrating because he is so adverse to anything that katie wants to do in terms of trying to help the solution he wants to do it himself he wants them to figure it out in-house. It's like, bro, you don't know what to do. And the demon's after her. Like, I feel like this should be her decision. <laughs> yeah. Considering the demon Her has demon, her choice, bro. And X, truly, truly. <laughs> X marks the spot on Katie, and you're just bobbing and weaving through the, through the house. Like, but this isn't about you. It was never about <laughs> you, Mika. <laughs> um, but I, you mentioned when we were watching it that he is like prideful which i i think is fair i think that that's true i do think that there's an element of him where he feels like my house my girl i'll fix it mm -hmm. i'll make them i'll figure this out i'll i'll make sure you're safe there's definitely an element of that where as time goes on it feels like he is really the more that he loses control of the situation, the more that he makes silly decisions to try and get back into control is what yeah. it feels like, rather than just saying, you know what, you're right, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. It seems like he would rather eat glass than just admit that he is out of his depth, mm -hmm. which really ends up fucking both of them over in the end. But yeah. it's just, he, I think... Because you have Katie, who I really like. I really like Katie as a character. I mm -hmm. think that she's a very believable character of someone who is trying their best to keep it together despite the horrible situation that is happening and really, really starting to unravel as a result. And I think that she's likable. I think that she makes decisions as best she can with the information that she is given and i like the journey i completely understand in every situation that she's in i completely understand her reactions to things i think that it's completely believable the way that she's reacting not only to the demon but also to mika and the camera and the situation so i really really like her character i guess if you're gonna have a character like her it's you do need to have maybe a foil like her antithesis in a way to have someone else who's like dealing with things in the opposite so that it's yeah. not all of the same i just feel like mika is you're right there's a moment in time where it feels like there is a change in him but it almost feels like it's like too little too late by the time it happens yeah most definitely like he I think once things start ramping up and it gets to that level of like, okay, we really can't explain this shit. Like footsteps in the in the powder, Ouija boards being lit on fire, like that once it's like clearly outside of his ballpark anymore. Yeah, I think he he shuts he shuts down, but like you said, his shutting down is him kind of latching onto the situation harder mm -hmm. and trying to convince himself that he can figure this out and he can do it. That's like, bro, how? just let it go and call the priest. Bitch, how? <laughs> you have nothing. Get some holy water. Get some, get a cross. Get something. a something. And it's, it's frustrating, I think, in the latter half, mostly because when things do escalate and they get to that level of like, again, burning Ouija boards. Yeah. And 
Explode explosions in the house, screeching, banshee screeching, screeching, banshee screeches. Like Mika, still he sees this these things, but he doesn't change. You know, like yeah. I feel like we see the moment where he should change and he should make a shift in what he's doing because these things have accelerated to this insane degree. But he continues to do, just do the same stuff. Yeah, more antagonizing, more going against katie's wishes it's just at that point you're in so deep that like try something different and the fact that he doesn't and it just leads to both of these characters demises it's so annoying it's so frustrating after a while you're just like oh my god just get him out of the house <laughs> kick him out i don't care and then the thing too okay another thing <laughs> This part of the movie is very, very relevant in the grand scheme of things. And I get what they were trying to do, but rewatching it, I was like, okay, this means nothing. The Ouija board. So after the whole thing with the Ouija board and it gets burned and he's trying to decipher the message and he thinks mm -hmm. it says like, goodbye, Diane. Mm -hmm. And then he finds Diane and he's like, I guess that's what I guess that's what they were trying to do is they were like, well, we need to give him a reason why he doesn't want to have an exorcism. And his whole thing is like, oh, well, there was this girl, Diane, and the exorcism made things worse. And we don't want that to happen. Um, no. What? <laughs> Just no. What? <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. It could potentially make things worse. I just feel like at that point in the movie when that happened, it kind of... It's just a silly, I just felt like it was so silly. So you think that the Ouija board says goodbye, Diane. You find this girl named Diane who's had all the same things happen to her as Katie's had happen to her. And then, so what did you think? So what, the demon? And then he says, like, I think he was trying to warn us not to do an exorcism. Or like, I was like, the demon's trying to warn you not to do an exorcism. <laughs> The demon said, bitch, don't kick me out. And you listened, Mika. And that's why I have a problem with you. And that's why this scene to me is just, I feel like this scene could have been totally cut out. Wouldn't have made a difference. And and I guess the only thing it does is it is Katie finally agrees. She's like, yeah, I don't want that to happen either. But then she ends up calling for help later on anyway. Yeah. So like... But it's like, what's your alternative, you know? Like, right. even with this extra information, <laughs> you're just going to continue. Like, things have gotten really bad at the point that this realization happens. So are you just going to continue going on every single night with your doors being flung open, things being lit <laughs> yeah. on fire, like your partner being dragged? But I mean, that didn't happen yet. Well, but you know but what I mean? Well, but her foot like, got tickled. Her foot got tickled prior she, to she that. She got tickled and she's been, she's been feeling some heavy breathing right. uh, coming out of nowhere. It's like, again, dude, where's your end goal? What? Even if you get this information, even if you figure these things out, you don't have a way to solve this. Yeah. You, you can keep finding these an these answers to questions, but you don't have the solution. You do not have the answers, Mika. You yeah. don't have yeah. them. How? How, How Mika? Mika? <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, truly, because that's the thing is, is he's just never he's never as proactive as I would like him to be. And honestly, I feel like that's the one thing I think that would have kind of pushed, elevated maybe this these situations a little bit for me is if he was 
more proactive about when things started popping off and he started believing if he like re- looked into it more rather than yeah. just like researching that demon book he had for a minute and then being mm-hmm. like oh well i hope it's not a demon uh, if later on when he was doing like doing research because that would have been easy to film just him searching on the computer and mm-hmm. maybe trying to find some help and then maybe by that point it's like maybe if he had found because we get to that point um where after katie has been absolutely dragged um (laughs) through the house and now they're now they're planning on leaving but of course at this point katie is like possessed now and then she decides she doesn't want to leave and they so they stay again and then that's leads to the final night i feel like if right before that if he was doing research and, and he was like okay, I think I figured it out. Like we can, we can find this person or we can talk to this person. And then Katie was like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I don't want to talk to people. I'm tired, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Even that would have just made me feel like he cared <laughs> about yeah. her soul because there reaches a point where I'm like, I feel like you really don't give a fuck if Katie lives or dies or what happens to her at this point in time and even if that was what they were wanting because i do i will say i love the fight that they have yeah where, it's where he's fight. like the whole oh, sequence yeah. of that fight is great yeah i love that fight where he's like oh go hang out with your friend and like all the, yeah, that's, they get... that's the level of petty that only a long-term relationship yeah can, can where invoke. you're like oh <laughs> yeah and you're like oh my god Go, please. Hey, chill out, all right? I'm trying to help this situation here. I have some ideas I want to talk okay, to you about. Okay, Mika, you and your stupid camera are the problem. What the fuck? Just leave me alone. Would you stop following me with the camera? I'm trying to solve the problem here. I didn't bring that thing well, in the house. Don't do me. You did. Oh. Thank you, Mika. Thank you so much. Oh, hang out with your friend upstairs. I'll be down Shut here. Shut up! Uh, whatever. I almost wish that they had the had been having more fights the whole time. And maybe it was just really putting more of a strain on their relationship. Because we can see that it is. But I think for them, it's putting more of a strain on Katie. And she's getting much madder at Mika than he ever gets at her. I wish we had seen more of that. He clearly holds some animosity at her for not telling him. Mm-hmm. about what was going on before they moved in together which is fair which is totally fair i would fair probably feel argument. some type of way he was as a dick well. about it we'll say it again but it was a fair argument i wish but girl you could have dropped that clue because i would have <laughs> liked to know that before i put my credit down <laughs> for right. this but yeah i almost wish that we had like more of those fights and those strains leading up because then I don't know. I feel like maybe it just would have given him another element. He's just a little bit too like nonchalant. I don't care goofy about it for me um, for what ends up happening to them um, and what the possibility could have always been for Katie. I would have loved to have just seen him have a little bit more fire, a little more passion. (laughs) I think I think we were missing just mika at some point doing an admission that he was wrong and seeking that help um but i agree with you have it place that somewhere where it's too little too late and i think you still retain the story but you allow mika's character to at least develop a little bit in the way that you want where like you do want to see him 
actively care about Katie's situation and stop making this whole thing about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think easily you could have done that by having him maybe admit that he's over his head. And like you said, towards the end, uh, maybe he's the one that wants to call the psychic or the priest back. He's like, you know what? I can't do this. Let's call that guy back again. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. These having having Mika admit that he kind of fucked up, I don't think takes away from the overall story if you mm-hmm. put it in the right spot. Because there is a point where it's clear that it's too late for both of them. Like yeah. the thing, the dominoes are already falling. Like they're on this path to their demise, basically at the fucking hour mark it's it's over for them (laughs) yeah um but i do think that some sort of growth in that regard could have helped could have helped the mika character to be a little bit less annoying yeah Um, (laughs) i I do think though that his skepticism and their fights do lead into the unfortunate cycle that they're kind of stuck in here right because we know from earlier in the film that whatever this thing is, it feeds off negative emotion. Mm-hmm. And the more that it's active, the more animosity these two people are feeling towards each other. They're having more fights, raises the negative energy in the house, strengthens this entity. And then we just repeat this, repeat this until it finally pops. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks, sucks to watch them be stuck in that cycle. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's such a bummer. Also, too, I have no idea how Miko was able to sleep on that last night that they were there. My man's was sound asleep like a like a like a light. My (laughs) man was out. He was having the sweetest REM dreams. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. Now, to be fair, by that point, they were probably super sleep deprived. And so maybe he was like, I need this. But ah, couldn't be me. Especially with that door as wide open as it was. I'll say it a thousand times. That door was very ajar. We we said it in the stream. We'll say it one more time for the (laughs) podcast. Look. Closing your door, whether you sleep with the door open or closed, if there's a paranormal entity, it doesn't matter. Right. It will go through that door. The door don't mean shit, but it does make you feel safer. And yeah. as somebody who sleeps with the door closed, I just the whole time, like, close that goddamn door, please. Yeah. Well, and it's weirdly, I, so I am on the, I sleep with my door open Mm. Um, which weirdly is not something that I used to do when I used to have roommates and things like that. I always let slept with my door closed. However, now I always sleep with it open a, because it just kind of gets like stuffy in the room. I don't like sleeping with my windows open. Um, Fair. but also too, I like having the door open cause I can like hear what's going on in the house. If that uh, makes see, sense. I'm the opposite. I don't want to know. Uh, if see? there's somebody sneaking around, <laughs> sneak around. Just don't come up here. I cannot see. I cannot hear. Good night. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I get that maybe they were like, yeah, we'll keep the door open in case we can hear. But dude, the way that this door has been slamming and thumping and bumping, like just close it. Just close it. <laughs> I would. I would because it's like even if it does just come through the door, 
Just that one little tiny extra layer of protection. It's the you last know? little barrier where maybe they'll, maybe he'll fumble with the knob or something, <laughs> and we'll hear him coming. You know, you can, all, you can only hope. Yeah, um, fingers crossed. Uh, out of curiosity, was there a particular scare or scares that got you in this one? Well, so I always love when she gets dragged by mm -hmm. her foot. I mean, it's so good. It's, it's so such a good. good. And I don't know. I this is going to sound really weird. I love a drag scene like where people get dragged. <laughs> I love a scene where someone's getting pulled by their foot and they're like reaching to yeah, like stop themselves. Yes, I don't know why. I love seeing people. I would love to act in a scene where I was getting pulled by my foot. It just looks it just it just I don't know something about it emotionally like hits me the disper the desperation we shall say so I've always really liked that scene I also think I like that scene particularly because it's just a good it's really when their fate gets like set in stone of yeah y'all are done mm -hmm. and also too I, I love the aftermath where we see that the demon has taken a big bite out of Katie's back <laughs> Like what? <laughs> let me Bro, let me huh? just get a little nibble, <laughs> get a little taste. Um, so I I've always loved that scene. It's the one scene that I always remember. And then I also too, I I think I think that this scene scared me the first time that I watched it. But I do also enjoy this the one where Katie wakes up and goes outside. And then Mika goes to follow her because him filming I uh, the scenes where they're just walking through the house at night, even if there's nothing going on, are still very creepy to me. And just it being like him walking through and then like looking outside and then he sees her in the chair and then he goes out inside and there's a noise upstairs. And then when he turns around upstairs and she's just standing there, I just think it's a really great scene particularly for that being one of those scenes where nothing with the demon really happens all of the creepy stuff is really katie like mm -hmm. katie's being creepy and i feel like it plays really well into that this could almost be written off as a regular event but even if she was just sleepwalking that would be fucking scary like that's something that could happen to anybody if you have someone in your life that sleepwalks potentially that could be the case at any time really the only demonic thing that happens is the tv turns on mm -hmm. but i just think the way that it unfolds is creepy and i also like it because it's one of the few times where it's completely mika having to deal with the spooky yeah it's like all right you asked for this yeah oh didn't you want this you wanted me to put on a show well <laughs> <laughs> Beam was like, oh, you're talking all that mess. Yeah. It's just me and you now. Was good. Was good. Did you <laughs> like that or what? You want to watch a little TV? I put something on for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I Yeah, I know that demon hated his guts. <laughs> <laughs> he could not wait could not to get rid of him. Wait to kill him. <laughs> I, I really like there. There's like one night. I, forget. I think it's like after they find the photograph, but it's like one of those nights where they're like sleeping in bed, the doors open and like you see a light turn on downstairs mm -hmm. and like turn back off and like they hear something and Mika gets up to kind of go check what it is. But before he can get there, the door just like slams shut yeah. right in front of both of them. That scene gets me um, 
every time, time. <laughs> every fucking time, because it's just that like. I don't think it's the scariest of the scenes in the movie, but it's the sequence of events and how everything is just outside of their POV that yeah. frightens me. Not knowing what's going on. It's the yeah, it's that downstairs. not knowing what's happening that's mm-hmm. truly frightening. The not knowing what's happening downstairs as you see the lights flicker on and off and then not knowing what's going on on the other side of that door once it slams shut because you know there's something there mm-hmm. but it's outside of your field of view and you're just like what is it yeah. what is this thing what does it want well and um, then and then doesn't it keep going because then they go out and then doesn't it go into the bedroom and close the door yeah behind? yeah, yeah. And it's just it's one of those situations where in comparison to the scares that we've seen earlier it's just a such a such an escalation of -hmm. events where we've had similar scares earlier on in the movie but it's really telling how much more active this demon has become yeah and how little fucks it is giving about being caught on camera anymore (laughs) oh yeah this demon is showing up and showing out it wants its airtime it wants its (laughs) fame and it wants it to be known that it is there and not playing games anymore and Mm -hmm. i feel like too i mean as obviously for for the most part this is accurate throughout the whole film is we don't see anything besides a shadow yeah like a passing shadow yeah is all you really get to see the scope of whatever this demon is but everything else is just infer and like you you your mind can fill in where it is at that moment in time, what it's doing for the most part. And so I think that this movie is very, very successful at dealing with scares that are only scary because we're filling in the blanks. And like, because if you can, you can tell both of us just talked about our favorite scares have not the demon who fucking knows where the demon is and these scares that we just talked about but we the whole point is that you just know that it's there you know that it's somewhere within this house and you know that it is just like running amok and Mm -hmm. slamming doors and turning on lights and that's so not anything in the grand scheme of things but just knowing that you don't know exactly what's doing that is like what's scary yeah it's fucking terrifying and and it's almost better that's the thing about this movie is it's so much better actually that we never really get to see it Mm -hmm. rather than us knowing what it looks like because i think if i knew what it looked like that it would take away from what i could imagine in my mind and that like question mark, I feel like it's mm-hmm. much scarier than having a definitive picture. Because even the very end when K- Katie's face turns all demonic, I don't mm-hmm. like that. I yeah. really think it looks wacky. Mm-hmm. I wish they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, hot take for me, but I feel like most paranormal movies or whatnot, when you actually, see, when they show you what the creature, the demon looks like, it's typically my least favorite part. Yeah. The only one, like... It works for me some. It only works if you know for a fact that your demon can't be fucked with is like Mm -hmm. the the tops because the Conjuring series. I like seeing the demons. That's one of my favorite things about the Conjurings. Okay. The Conjuring is is that (laughs) you their designs are always really, really cool. Mm -hmm. Or even like uh, Poltergeist. I like knowing it's the 
what's his name? Crane. Oh, uh, Hugh. That's, I'm thinking of a different thing. That's how that's haunted. That's Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, I was but, like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of something completely different. <laughs> y'all know who I'm talking about. The creepy old man from Poltergeist. Like, I like seeing them at times. Mm-hmm. But if you're not short, for instance, for this case, having a budget as small as they had, if you know for a fact that your demon can't be the baddest bitch on the block, then like it's so much better to just have them be unseen. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, since you brought up the ending, uh, first I want to ask, because there are, I think, three different yeah. endings to this movie. Have you seen all three of the endings? Um, I've seen, I think I saw the one with the police. With the police? Okay. Where they so came I think in. That, yeah, that's the, that I believe is the original ending. Um, for those that don't know, these are all over YouTube. You can look these up very, very quickly. Um, but you have three different endings. You have the theatrical ending that we get with the demonic, um, Katie face. Uh, you have (laughs) another alternate ending where similar to the theatrical ending, but in, in that one, Katie ends up killing herself at the end. Uh, and then you have the original ending, which has no Mika at the end, but you just get Katie in her bedroom and she's just comatose there for like over a day before the police come and finally just like take her out because she kind of like walks towards them with a knife. Um, And all three of these similar, but they definitely give off much, much different um, Mm -hmm. vibes for the ending. Um, You've already expressed that the demonic Katie face was not your favorite. Um, and since you've seen the original one, do you prefer the original or is there an ending that you think would have worked better for you? No, I prefer the original one. Yeah. I get it. They wanted a gotcha moment. It's a, it's intrinsic to the horror genre. There's mm-hmm. some, especially at that time, it was like important to have a gotcha. Right. But I think what I like about the original ending, I, I just feel like I obviously it worked out. Right. Having Katie survive in mm-hmm. the grand scope of this of the series ended up working out. That was like one of the best things they could have done was to have her survive mm-hmm. for them. I guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't necessarily I didn't need Katie to come back in every movie, but like <laughs> it worked out for them, whatever. Um, but I just feel like with the story that has been told, yes. It is implied that Katie is now possessed, which sucks, which really sucks. But ah, what I like about the that one is there's this element of it where you where you feel like, oh, my God, Katie is still like within herself. And you it's like you almost feel more of that like fight that like Katie is still herself somewhere in there. And so even though she's done this horrible thing, it's almost like she snaps out of it when the police get there and then Mm -hmm. she gets killed because she did, she did technically do this thing, but it was like, it wasn't of her own free will. And I just feel like that story, both of them dying to me feels like the, the, accurate ending for this story like i feel like this tale should end with both of them dying and it just makes sense that katie would kill mika and then 
some way she would die she would be killed as a result of what she's done right i i just think that that makes a lot of sense if we were looking at this as a contained one-off story um especially because even if she had died i do think they still could have brought her back yeah that's that's how i feel too is like it may even be more shocking to see her again after you're like no she died like i watched her die she could have because like in the alternate she like slits her throat with a knife uh you could have still had her come back with like her mm-hmm. throat slit and stuff and i think that would have been absolutely terrifying yeah because um, like she's possessed by a demon i think she would probably still i think the demon would be like okay cool i'll just wear you like a suit now <laughs> <laughs> truly yeah i Although I really like the original ending just for the realism of it, I do think it plays a bit more into the like, oh, these are real people because that Mm -hmm. the sequence in the original feels like, okay, this is a logical next step after the things that happened that night. Um, In the regards of like they're, you know, making it more theatrical and the idea that they could potentially have sequels. um, I agree that the original doesn't work for that because it just has a much different uh, atmosphere at the end of it that I don't think transitions very well into a sequel. Mm, Yeah. I think I'd be okay with the theatrical ending and I'd be okay with Katie dying if we straight up just cut the demon face. Like, just have her walk out. Have her do Mm -hmm. everything that she does. Go, she could even go sniff his body again. I don't care. Yeah. That's fine. Have all of that. Have her maybe glance at the camera and then just walk out. Yeah. Even if she, even if she sniffed him, she looked up at the camera and she smiled. Like, and she just smiled at the camera. But cool. it was still her face. Like, just yeah. keep it her face. Because yeah. I'm like, the, the who gotcha, is this little the demon? The gotcha pulls, pulls you away. Like, you're yeah. so locked in realism that the moment that happens, you're like, oh, okay, it's probably fake. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not the filter over Katie's face. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because I think up until that moment, I prefer to just, I get that there's a demon in there. And I, maybe that's what it is. It's like, I get that there's a demon in her. Why is it doing that? Yeah. Why I, I, are you doing that? Because you didn't need to do. Just be Katie. Just be creepy Katie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that being said, the, the demonic selfie face aside, I, I do think the ending is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that scream when she goes downstairs. I talk about it all the time. It's so yeah. good. And I would love to know the behind the scenes of the sound design of that because it you that is a demonic scream. When I, yeah. when, I when I think of a demonic scream, I hear that scream because well, it's yeah. just distorted enough that you can tell that it's inhuman and I fucking love it. Yeah, they found a very good balance. They blended Katie's scream with the demonic scream really well. And then, but then you can also hear Micah screaming. So it's Mm -hmm. like these three blending screams that sound nuts when you hear it all at once. It's like overwhelming. 
when you mm-hmm. hear it all at once. But yeah, you can definitely tell that something crazy is going on down there. That's just another thing, too. It's like we don't really know what happens to to Micah. I mean, in the in the other um, in the other endings, it's obvious that she's stabbed him. Mm-hmm. But but then in this one, it's not so clear cut that that is how yeah. she killed him um, and because of how quickly it ends. And so, yeah, I I think that this ending as a whole, like just having it be because it's weird because I sometimes forget how quickly it just ends. Yeah, it just kind of she wakes up, goes downstairs, starts screaming. He goes down after her, gets thrown at the camera, and then that's the end. And mm-hmm. it goes from that day into that night, and it just kind of feels so plain, but in a in a good way, and in a, in a way where it just feels like it matches, I think, the tone of this movie where the day feels kind of normal for a while, and then the nighttime feels like when everything is popping. And then after, in the middle of the movie, that changes. It starts to become like all throughout the day and throughout the night that everything goes crazy. And then it feels like we come full circle in the end because it, to Mike, oh my God, Tamika, it feels like that again. The day has been kind of weird, but normal. And then it's Mm -hmm. like they just go to bed and everything feels right. And then everything goes wrong immediately. And then he's dead and Katie's a demon. (laughs) <laughs> and then that's the and then that's the end. And I'd also obviously because of the way that they're playing this as if it is found footage that they found that they just found. And then it just abruptly cuts to black. And then they have the little the blurb. Know, the yeah, their little thing where they're like, Katie is gone. <laughs> um, Mika's dead. And that's it. <laughs> that's all, folks. So I don't know. I like I like how quickly it all happens. Yeah, it, it's very abrupt, and I agree. I think it lends itself into the rest, the rest of the mood that we've crafted mm-hmm. for the for the runtime of this. Um, yeah. Also, okay. Can we very quickly before we wrap? Can we talk about our who is what is he? He's like a demonologist, right? Oh yeah. That goes I, to that. I just had his name too. Give me one second. Aver- Dr. Avery's. There we Dr. go. Dr. Avery's. This man cracks me up, dude. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. I don't know if it was meant to be. That's the thing. I don't think it was meant to be funny. But, but it's so funny. It's so funny. I wonder. <laughs> I feel like they maybe could have the way that this scene unfolds where he comes back to the house. I feel like they maybe could have tweaked it a little bit to make it not so funny. But he basically walks into the house and he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here immediately. (laughs) Wild. He's like the demon energy. It's. Hey, hi. Please, thank you so much for coming back. Oh, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Hi. We, we called Dr. Avery. He's gone. Uh, yes, he's out of the country. He'll be we, back. He'll be. Wow. We need your help. This is this is overpowering. It's getting worse. Oh, yes, it certainly doesn't like that I'm here, and I cannot help you. What? In fact, I've got to get out of here. No, this no, thing no, is no, very no, aggravated. The fact that I'm here. here. Wait, this wait, is not... wait, wait, everybody, calm down. We need your help. Well, I, I've got to tell you, I am not the person to help you in this situation. This is not my area of expertise. 
But I think I'm doing more harm being here than any good. Yes, I really have got to leave. And Dr. Avery's will be back in a few days, and when he gets back here, he'll take care of all the problems. What should we do? Should we, should we leave? Should we? Leaving won't help at all. Let me see what I can do, but I've got to leave this room right now. This is no leave. joke. I will help you, I will help you, but I can't do this right no, now. No, 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 no. Serious? It's palpitating. It's, <laughs> I can, I can I taste can, it. It's in the air. I can taste it. Uh, he doesn't like me. I gotta go. And it's just so, oh my gosh, it's funny. And I don't, I feel like it's meant to be, it, it's obviously heartbreaking for mm -hmm. Katie. And I want to feel heartbroken with her. But just the way that it happens, it's just the way that he walks in, looks around, and immediately and is ready to book it right mm -hmm. away and they're trying to ask him questions and he just goes i really hope you don't die that's the best i can do for you <laughs> i have to get out of here <laughs> okay bye <laughs> but goodbye good luck look <laughs> i'll Mans still bill a you tra trained professional <laughs> yeah he really was. surveyed the situation knew that it was a wrap yeah. and said this uh, is the same worth my livelihood. I'm sorry. Work. He was like, I'd love it if you could go ahead and and pay the balance of the eighteen hundred <laughs> you owe me before you die. Yeah, um, sometime soon would be nice. Maybe the next twenty four hours. I do uh, it. I do it as soon as possible. <laughs> Honestly, I'd call the bank right now and just go ahead and have them wire that wire me that money now because I don't know. Time's a ticking. <laughs> Time is a ticking. But oh. that scene is, oh my God, that scene cracks me up every time. <laughs> it's so funny. And also, it's not directly parodying this one. I think it's more the, the second or third one. But shout out to A Haunted House for one of the best sequences ever. <laughs> talking about, where's all your furniture, cuz? <laughs> what happens to your furniture, cuz? That line is legendary, oh, yeah. and I will not hear anyone say anything otherwise. I fucking oh, love that my scene. Oh, God. It's so... Yeah. That That is funny. That's like the highlight. Because those movies were not great, they in my opinion. They were not great, but they had some but gem moments. that moment, yeah, was <laughs> delightful. Um, but yeah, that scene is, is funny. I also think the scenes with her friend are funny, but only because Mika is just shoving the camera in their face and also because the friend just came over to hang out with Katie and make beaded bracelets or whatever they were doing <laughs> and how somehow gotten roped into watching demon footage yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure she just thought I can't stay friends with these people anymore I really really can't I need, I need a new group of friends I need new friends immediately because uh Mika is not Girl, I told you you shouldn't have dated him. I told you not to date him. You should have swiped left. I don't know yeah, what you did. I told you. And yet here we are. Oh, my goodness. But all right. That's that's about everything with Paranormal Activity. Mm -hmm. uh, all that's left is to rate this bad boy. Uh, anything popping on top of your head? Oh, man. We can rate this out of burning Ouija boards. Burning Ouija boards. Out of... Demon nibbles. De demon nibbles. Out of a... <laughs> I was going to say... I was going to say baby back bites. Baby <laughs> for her back bites. <laughs> um, I'm down for that one just because I like the way it sounds. <laughs> baby back bites in honor of Katie. 
<laughs> in honor of Katie. In honor of Katie and the chunk that that demon took out of her. <laughs> All right. Uh, how about you go first? Okay. I'm going to give Paranormal Activity. I'm going to give it, you know what? I think 4.4 Baby Back Bites. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. It like I said, the pacing is it moves well. The acting is good for the most part. I like the characters, but you're facing two characters, and I only like one of them as the movie goes along. And the mm-hmm. other one, I just when is he is he frustrating? Which can be a bit of a chore to watch because you only really have the two of them. The scares in this and the way that they were able to hide their budget but still make effective scares must be applauded like if nothing else with paranormal activity you have to give it its its kudos for that and i think as a paranormal movie for a genre that i have professed i'm not like the biggest fan of i i like this movie i enjoy this movie i like when i put it on and watch it it still creeps me out i think my only thing with it is just it is a very simple plot, like I said, and I there are times when I wish things had been a little bit different just in the just in our people and what they do with the information that they're given. I yeah. do think that there was a little bit of a chance to have them be more proactive with the situation. And so as a result of them not being it can feel at times like they've just resigned to their fate, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a bummer, but still leads to a good ending. Although it's not the ending that I, not my favorite ending mm-hmm. of all of the endings that they could have had for it. So yeah, 4.4 baby back bites out of five. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I I think I'll be a little bit close to you there. And um, I'm going to say... out of five baby back bites. Mm -hmm. Uh, I dude, I love this movie. It is such a comfort pick for me. Uh, I think a pretty damn good paranormal movie as well. Um, I agree with you. You just have to applaud the fact that this thing was able to be created Mm -hmm. and is so high quality still holds up to this day. I'd say Um, for such a small budget, I think is in absolutely incredible. Um, the fact that they were working with barely any script at all, and yet these characters feel genuine and still manage to tell a coherent story throughout, I think should be applauded as well. And I don't know, dude, I just really like this is this for me is my paranormal movie. Like I always find myself going back to this one. And I think a lot of it just comes from the joy of watching it. It's a very easy watch. That mm-hmm. first time that you watch it with no preconceived idea of what's going to happen, I think is an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. And overall, it's still to this day one of my favorite found footage movies. And I think it will probably remain that way. Um, so, yeah, I got to give it that 4.5 out of 5 baby back bites. All righty. Well, homies, you know what I'm going to say. How many baby back bites would you give Paranormal Activity? (laughs) We would love to know. You can talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. 
Or if you'd prefer to get a little bit more in depth about your thoughts and also have some conversations about other horror related topics, we would love to see you in our Discord. It is the homie hub where everybody hangs out and chit chats. And also too, if you guys want to be there for future watch alongs and streams and stuff like that, Discord is an awesome place for you to always go back and look through and see what kind of events and things we have scheduled up. Uh, so if you'd like to be in there, the link for that is in our social media bios. You can also email us. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this on Monday, we wanted to let you guys know there will be no stream today. We will be taking the day off from Twitch, but we will be back to our regularly scheduled streaming next Monday. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better. It recommends our podcast to more listeners and also we like to hear what you guys have been thinking of the show so if you have an apple account and haven't done so yet we would love for you to or if you're listening on spotify you can always rate us just go to our name hit the stars underneath to leave the rating and we would love for you to do that as well but thank you so much for hanging out with us today we hope you enjoyed our breakdown of the paranormal activity and we hope that you guys have a great rest of your week catch you next time homies bye